You're listening to Church on the Path Inspiration Podcast. Brought to you by Holy Fire. And broadcasting from the heart of Brisbane City, Australia. Speaking today is Pastor Glenn Gerhauser. Today's message is entitled, Walking in Forgiveness. Walking in Forgiveness. And this is number seven in Restoring the Soul. And this has been a message, a special message that the Lord has put on my heart for some months now. And I, uh, it's something that came to me in January. I've been putting it into practice. Of course, I want to be putting all <laughs> the messages into practice. So I've been putting it into practice. And I believe it's something that is very important for all of us. So I'm going to pray and then I'll lead you in a prayer. Father, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your grace in our lives. I ask that you take this word and let it live in our hearts and grow and be like a seed that bears much fruit. We bless you and praise you. Give me, I ask that you give me the words today to share and that they would flow like living waters and go into the homes and hearts and into the nations, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, hands on our hearts, and we'll pray this together. Dear Jesus, speak to my heart and change my life in your precious name. Amen. Okay, walking in forgiveness. Let's get into this. First, we're going to start by reading Exodus 34, 5 through 7. And what's important to note here is this happened after the golden calf incident. So God told them, no idols before me, no other gods before me. And the first thing they do is make a god and celebrate the god and have this party and feast. And so, of course, God is upset. I'll put it in colloquial language. God is upset. He's about to wipe them out. Uh, Moses is praying, he's standing in the gap, and then the Lord reveals himself to Moses here in Exodus 34, 5 through 7. The Lord, which is Yahweh, the Lord descended in the cloud and stood there with him as he called upon the name of the Lord. Then the Lord passed in front of him and proclaimed, Yahweh, Yahweh God. That's how I memorized it. It's the word Yahweh here. And this is God revealing his character and nature. One of my favorite scriptures, and I think it's one of the most important scriptures. I know it's one of the most important uh, passages of scripture in the Bible is, is God himself revealing himself to us. It's not our idea of God. It's who God is revealing himself to be. It's the revelation of him. 
So Yahweh, Yahweh God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands. And now we want to underline this part, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. Yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of the fathers, visiting the iniquity of fathers on the children and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generations, Exodus 34, 5 through 7. Especially with concentrating on Yahweh, Yahweh God, compassionate and gracious. Say that with me, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger. So we learned about being slow to anger last week and I believe the week before and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. So here is the Lord revealing himself, even though he is angry with the sin of Israel, he reveals himself as a gracious and compassionate God. Well, this is a a photo from Mount Sinai. So look how beautiful it is, the sunrise. at Mount Sinai and how beautiful it is, even this desert beauty. It goes on, the passage goes on to say, Moses made haste to bow low toward the earth and worship. That was Moses' response to the revelation that God gave of himself. That Moses made haste quickly, bowed low toward the earth and worshiped. He said, if now I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, I pray, let the Lord go along in our midst. As God God was saying, I'm not going to go with you. I'll send an angel, but I'm not going to go with you. But here, Moses is, uh, it's like a a negotiation with, with God. He is interceding. This is intercession. Oh, Lord, I pray, let the Lord go along in our midst, even though the people are so obstinate and pardon our iniquity. He's praying for forgiveness. He's interceding for them that God would be forgiving toward them and pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us as your own possession. So this is Moses based on the revelation of God being compassionate and gracious and forgiving and slow to anger. He is thus praying. And here we see a great example of how we should pray. We should pray based on the revelation of God. We should pray based on what he has revealed of himself in the word so that the word is the foundation of prayer. And we see this example with Moses. God gives his word of who he is. Moses then says, okay, (laughs) don't go along with us. Don't leave us. I know we're obstinate. I know we're stubborn. I know we're sinful, but pardon our iniquity and take us as your own possession. Exodus 34, 8 through 9. So that brings us to our theme for today. Today, we will focus on why we are commanded to forgive. Today, we will focus on why we are commanded to forgive. We'll also reflect 
on seven aids to help us forgive. So for me, it doesn't matter if there's uh, 12 of us here or if there's a thousand here, I will still prepare the same way. I'll put my heart and soul into every message, listening to God, and it wouldn't matter to me if I wouldn't change what I do for a thousand people or for a few people uh, because for me, preaching and teaching the word of God is to honor him. It's first and foremost to honor him. So I want to do my best for his glory. I want to give my best. This is like an offering for me. I want to give my best for his glory. And so here is today. It, I'm not planning to be on... T- too long, but it's, I'm not planning to be too long, but it is uh, quite important what, we go, what we're going to c- cover. Uh, so it's important what we're going to cover. So uh, especially as we get to the end, we'll reflect on these seven aids to help us forgive. I see this as our leadership meeting. <laughs> the leaders gathering together and hearing what God is saying. You may have heard this quote before. It's quite popular. I tried to source who it uh, was originally from. I even sourced something that Nelson Mandela said it. So many people have said it over the years, great people. And here it is. You may have heard it too. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Have you heard that one before? It's worth saying again. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. So, of course, you're mad at the other person, but you're drinking this poison. You're actually bringing death to yourself. You're drinking the poison. And so it's uh, unforgiveness is like that. So this is one of the reasons why we should not live in unforgiveness because it affects us personally. And so psychologists will say that, counselors will say that, that unforgiveness will affect you personally. It will, uh, it's like carrying a huge burden and weight on you. So this is one of the reasons to forgive. Uh, but it's not the only reason. So here, when we look at this reason, we're looking at ourselves and the effects that unforgiveness, the effect, the effect that unforgiveness has on ourselves. It's not good. It is poisonous. It is bitterness, which poisons us. So for ourselves, it's not good. But there is a greater reason, a higher reason to forgive, and that's what I want to talk about today, this is the area where the Sermon on the Mount is believed to have been spoken. Beautiful area. Like, oh, we're so blessed to be in this park. The beautiful trees and the sky and the clouds. I'll often reflect on it. These, these fig trees, which are amazing all around this park. Brush it, uh, breathe in. Breathe in the <laughs> Breathe in the fresh air, breathe in the fresh air. And so it's a beautiful place. And, uh, and this uh, roof over our heads, which is high enough to be cool even in some hot days. I, there was one time I remember a few years back 
It was over 40 degrees, over 40 degrees. And uh, I expected nobody was going to be at church that day because of the, the weather. And actually, the place was packed. There was people everywhere. And I was, like, really surprised. It, it, it was one of those moments that made me proud to be Australian because I'm an Australian citizen, you know. While, while I wasn't born here, I chose to be here. But I was proud that these... that. God's people had come out to worship him in this blazing, it was humid, it was hot, it was ridiculous, but we still worshiped the Lord and we had a great day. Well, here's another beautiful place where Jesus is speaking the Sermon on the Mount. And we're asking the question today, why forgive? The first answer is, it's not good for you to have unforgiveness. Okay, but that's the basic level. There's more. And we're going to see what Jesus said about forgiveness and why to forgive. So why forgive? That's the question before us. Here's Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Have you heard the Sermon on the Mount? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> We've been doing a series on it. Here in the middle, he says... You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. This is Jesus speaking. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans or the other nations do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So be perfect. He sums this whole section up. So the Sermon on the Mount can be divided into five sections. And this section is summed up with, with be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is the Greek word teleos, teleos. So it's be teleos, therefore, as your heavenly Father is teleos. Now, the reason why I bring out the Greek word there is we may be thinking that Jesus is talking about perfectionism, and he's not talking about perfectionism as we understand that word. And so we're going to look at this word teleos very soon and understand what it means and what Jesus is saying to us when he says, be teleos, therefore, as your heavenly Father is teleos. You're uh, following? Good. We're going down this pathway. So in Matthew 5, 43 through 48, and due to Barbara's, uh, she picked up my scripture reference, which was not right at Bible school. I double-checked, and I was like, I got to get these ones right. But it's easy when you're reading the Bible, you're looking at a big number, six, but it may come before, and you put six instead of five, and oh, you can make those mistakes. So my pastor used to always say to me, check the references, check the references. So I used to write articles for the church, and... Always check that the references are correct. So that's a lesson passed on to me by my pastor. I pass it on to you 
And uh, always you keep on looking. It's an easy mistake that can be made. Uh, it's like a scribal mistake, right? So in Matthew 5, 43 through 48, Jesus makes the why of forgiveness clear. His reason is that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Now, I'll say that again so that you can really soak in those words. His reason is that you may be children of your Father in heaven. We learned in Bible school what it means to be a son or to be a child. A, a son is one that reflects their father. They embody the nature of their father. Uh, I talked about that guy that I saw walking in, uh, walking in Redcliffe with that big tattoo, son of Samoa, <laughs> on his back. And what was he saying? Well, I'm Samoan to the core. Right? And when we say that we are children of God, or when God tells us we are his children, we are his sons, it's saying that we are like our father. And this is a great privilege. It's also a, a, a very important responsibility to be a son. It's uh, where much is given, much is required, as Jesus said. His reason is that you may be children of your Father in heaven. That's verse 45. What is your Father like? He's not the hard taskmaster upstairs. You've misunderstood him. This is the sense of what Jesus is saying. And he's talking about the Father being kind to those who are both righteous and unrighteous, providing for them rain, also the sun. So he's good to all people. And so the sense of what Jesus is saying in the Sermon on the Mount, in the Sermon on the Mount is, what is your father like? He's not the hard taskmaster upstairs. You've misunderstood him. He helps the bad and good and provides for the righteous and unrighteous. His heart is for everyone to receive his love, grace, and mercy. So that's really important to understand when we come to the subject of forgiveness, that the Father's heart is for everyone to receive his love, grace, and mercy, even the chief of sinners. So we may not think like that, but what the Father is doing is elevating us so that we think like he thinks. He's elevating us so we have a heart like he has. And we don't have that automatically. It's a, uh, it's a work of grace in our life for that to happen. It's through the Holy Spirit. But normally our attitude is like, love your neighbors and hate your enemies. Now we may not go and say that outright, but generally that is how people live life. We, we love the people who love us, but people who treat us wrongly, we tend to uh, not want anything to do with them. And uh, there could be some wisdom in keeping some space. But here, Jesus is telling us to go outside of our natural reaction. He's telling us to pray for those who hurt us. Do good to them. Be kind to them. So this is... Uh, different than how we would normally first respond. Now, 
when people read, uh, here I have my Bible here, my beloved Bible. Even smells good. <laughs> and uh, when, we would, when we read the Old Testament, it's very easy to get a distorted view of God if we're not reading it correctly. So we start to think of the Father as a hard taskmaster. And we don't think of him as a loving God. But remember, God reveals, God has revealed himself. God has revealed himself as compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth. And if you, if you read the Old Testament carefully, you see God's grace and mercy and kindness on every page, but you have to have eyes to see it. You have to have eyes to see it. So Jesus is correcting the people's views on the Father, who he is. The Father has to come down in his Son to actually address the situation face to face. So now we get to our word here, teleos. See if you can say that with me, accenting the first syllable, teleos. Try it again, teleos. Oh, come on with some conviction, teleos. So here we have teleos, and there's a reason why there's a telephone there, because our Word for uh, telephone comes from the Greek, uh, uh, the Greek root of tel, and also television. So we're going to see what this word teleos means. Teleos. So there's a person walking up to the top of the mountain, what their teleos is, is to get to the top. Lockie has just done, what is it, tri, triathlon? Is triathlon? And his goal was to be, you know, his teleos is to make it to the end and try to be one of the top ones making it to the end. That was his, his goal. I heard you did quite good. Did, what the place did you get? Uh, 13. 13. 13. Out of how many people? Out of 30 people. So that's, that's good because uh, a triathlon is not easy. Uh, I, Anna and I, back when we were uh, first married, we were trying to get back into shape. So we took up running. And uh, we took up w running for about one day because uh, <laughs> we were running around the block and Anna had an asthma attack. <laughs> we were like, all right, we're going to have to take up another, we're going to have to take up another exercise here. <laughs> so something more low impact. Uh, so we're proud of you, Lockie. Good work. Woohoo! <laughs> That's not easy. You were, you were running, right? You were, were you swimming too? Yeah. Swimming. And then what's the other thing? What's riding. riding? Wow. So you're, you're running, swimming, riding. Awesome. Well, his goal is to get to the end. That's the teleos. This is what it means to get to the goal. So uh, teleos is attaining an end or purpose. 
meeting the highest standard. It's the BDAG, which is a very important lexicon of the Greek language, the biblical Greek language, says not satisfied with halfway measures. So it's not satisfied, teleos is, is not satisfied with just going halfway, but going to the end and doing, reaching for the highest standard. Teleos is meaning mature or full grown. So the whole goal of when you're raising a child is to raise them to maturity till they're full grown. Now here is the thing is, this is the work of the father in our life. He is maturing us to be like who? To be like Jesus. Now, have you had this conversation in your house, like with kids? Uh, you ask them to do something or to be like something, and they say, oh, no, so-and-so doesn't do it. You know, uh, Mary doesn't do it, and Sue doesn't do it, and the other kids in the class don't do it, so why should I do it? And that's, and that's what kids say. But even when we grow up, we have this attitude, let's just do what everybody else is doing. Uh, let's just fit in with the crowd. And then I don't hear it talked about so much anymore, but when I first came to Australia, it was big, the tall poppy syndrome, which is very different than uh, American uh, thinking. The, what's that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, in America, everyone could be a tall poppy. But here, if you have a crew of people and one person works harder than the rest, it's like this, at least, I don't know if it's this, I think things are changing a little bit, but uh, so I don't want to lock Australia into this, but especially when I first came here, if you have a crew of people every, and one person starts working really hard, it's like, okay, slow down, mate, you're making the rest of us look bad. So we all, we don't want to work too hard. And... Uh, and the, the idea of cutting down the tall poppies. Um, this goes back to the idea of a standard and you're saying for your kids, be like this, and they're saying, well, the others aren't doing it. Now, in the Christian walk, we can't do that. It doesn't matter what the other Christians are doing around us. It doesn't matter what the other churches are doing around us. The other churches are not our standard. The other Christians are not our standard. Uh, now, if they're doing good, then they inspire us. But who our standard is, is Jesus. And it doesn't matter if other people are not forgiving. We are meant to be like Jesus, who said on the cross his ultimate act, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. So... This is our, our end purpose is to be like Jesus and to be like the Father. Teleos means fully developed. Perfect. So, but to understand that perfection is here, the idea of the word is to actually be on the way. So translating it as be perfect is acceptable, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect, is acceptable, but probably not the best word to use when we think about teleos in its holistic uh, understanding. Are you starting to see what it means? 
Now, Aristotle, 300 years before Christ, around 300 years before Christ, Aristotle talked about this word, telos, and he, how he described it is a blacksmith's telos is to make a sword. So his goal is to make a sword. A soldier's telos with the sword is to win victory in battle. He has a different telos uh, with regards to the sword. The blacksmith goal is to make the sword. The soldier's, soul, the soldier's goal is to slay with the sword, to have victory with the sword. And then the head of the state, the, the politician, his, his goal for both the blacksmith and the uh, swordsman, the soldier, is that they would both be working together for the wellness of the state. So the, the head of the state, his, his goal is the wellness of the state, but everybody working together with the same atelios, with the same uh, purpose, each, each having a unique purpose, but also the high, there's a higher purpose to everything. Also could mean without spot or blemish, without spot or blemish. So I translated Matthew 5:48, but more of a, a paraphrase, again, like last week. And here is how I would translate Matthew 5:48, normally heard as be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. But here's how I would translate it. So I'm going to zoom in here. Reach for your end goal. Your heavenly Father is your purpose. You were created to know Him and be like Him. It's reaching His mature standard that matters. Well, I'll say amen. <laughs> so as I, I read this and studied it and soaked in it, these are the words I would use to describe and to communicate, to really bring out the sense of that verse. Reach for your end goal. Your heavenly Father is your purpose. In other words, your heavenly Father is your end goal. We're to be like Him, and this is the reason why we forgive. It's not because of what other people are doing, and it's not just because it's not good for us. The reason why we forgive as disciples of Jesus is so that we can be like our Heavenly Father. That's His goal. That's, that's our goal. And that's His goal for us, is that we would be like Him, that we would be His children, His sons and daughters. So reach for your end goal. Your Heavenly Father is your purpose. You were created to know Him and be like Him. It's reaching His mature standard that matters. And so understanding the why of giving of forgiving, <laughs> which is forgiving is giving something. Understanding the why of forgiving is important for actually to, to, um, to realize the importance of it and to move you in that direction. Also in the, in the scripture, the idea of forgiving is uh, one of the big pictures of the Greek word there is, is letting go releasing, letting go. So you're holding on to something, and God is saying, let it go. You're holding on to something, let it go, release it. And what you're doing is you're releasing it to your heavenly Father so your heavenly Father can take care of it because you taking care of it, you're going to cause problems. Him taking care of it is going to be good. 
Because he, Father knows best, right? Father knows best. <laughs> so this is bringing us to the end, but we'll uh, park here for a little bit. Walking in forgiveness. So seven aids to live in God's mercy. Now we're going to talk about how. How can you walk in forgiveness? I'm going to give you seven aids to live in God's mercy. And because there's seven, we'll go quickly here, but I would encourage you to take this infographic and use it throughout the week and let it uh, help you in this area of walking, walking in forgiveness. So are you ready for this? Are you ready? Anna's ready. Are we ready? <laughs> yes. So here we go. First is forgive daily. Forgive daily. Jesus taught us that just as we ask for daily bread, we must also forgive every day. So notice in the Lord's Prayer how these two things are tied together. Give us this day our daily bread, which means we're praying every day for God's provision in every, in every way. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So this is something that is daily and you get that sense as these two, ver uh, two verses are connected together. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And so one of the issues with regards to forgiveness is somebody will often think, well, I forgave, and it's over with. I did it already. But forgiveness is something you have to practice daily because your soul is like a garden, and the weeds of bitterness start to pop up uh, over time. So every day you're going to have to, if you're caring for a garden, every day you're going to have to be looking after the garden and tending to it, making sure the weeds don't come and the weeds of bitterness are going to come up again and things are going to uh, remind you of, of what people have done to you. So forgiveness isn't just, oh, I forgave in church and, uh, or I forgave this one, uh, one time in prayer and that's it. You may have to forgive that person over and over and over again as the anger and the uh, resentment come into your heart for what someone has done to you or what others have done for you, done to you. And so it's forgive, forgiving daily is more like building that muscle of mercy in your life. Are you, are you with me here? So forgive daily, practice in your prayer. You're asking God to forgive you, but even as you ask God to to forgive you, remember, you also need to extend that forgiveness to others. So I forgive this person, that person. Sometimes you have to forgive whole cities and towns or in institutions for what they have done for you. <laughs> I forgive them, and it's good that you vocally do it, and in your heart, I forgive them. I, I give this I give this to you, God. I forgive them. I let them go, and I put this into your hands, God. And so you do that, but remember, you need to continually do that. Continually do it until 
the person who is uh, really upsetting your life and causing, causing you to be drained <laughs> is uh, that, that person's out of your minds and your thoughts. And now you're, you're praying for them. You're praying for them to encounter God's forgiveness. We'll talk more about that, but uh, two. Number two is one of the aids to living in God's mercy is focus on God's forgiving, na forgiving nature. Focus on God's forgiving nature. So we saw this in our opening passage, and this is my, one of my translations for that. Yahweh, Yahweh God deeply feels for us and shows grace. He's slow to anger and abundant in kind love and faithfulness. He forgives, removing the weight of guilt, offenses, and sin. So that's the picture in the Hebrew of the word forgive there is, is taking up and removing, like carrying the burden away. So he forgives, removing the weight of guilt, offenses, and sin. So to help us forgive, we need to continually focus on God's forgiving nature. He's compassionate. He deeply feels for us and everyone. He shows grace. He's slow to anger and abundant in kind love. And forgiveness happens truly when you have the Father's perspective. What is the Father's perspective? And the Father's perspective is that he wants to save the chief of sinners. And we saw that example happen with Saul, who persecuted the church, and then uh, we also call him Paul. Saul is his uh, Jewish name. Paul is his Greek name. The Bible never says that Saul's name was changed to Paul. It's just two ways of referring to the same man. One is the Jewish way and the other is the Greek way. Be that as it may, God showed an example that he saved the ch chief of sinners Saul, and we know that Moses, even who, who, is, uh, who writes this, who hears this from God, we know that Mo Moses murdered, and yet God forgave. God forgave him. It's not that forgiveness is cheap. Forgiveness costs everything through the cross of Jesus Christ. So it's not cheap. God's forgiveness is not cheap. Oh, you know, uh, you did something bad. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I forgive you. It's not like that. It's I'm going to take the whole pain and uh, penalty of it on myself and I'm going to be crucified and shed my blood so that you can be forgiven. So forgiveness is based on God's solid nature and character, who he is, and him going to the cross for us. So focus on the cross. Focus on God's forgiving nature to help you to forgive. The third thing is remember how much Jesus forgave you. How much has Jesus forgiven you? Remember how much Jesus has forgave you. Remember how much Jesus forgave you. Uh, Ephesians 4.23, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other. And what does the rest say? Just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Forgiving each other just as God in Christ also has forgiven, forgiving you. So remember how much Jesus forgave you and forgive based on his forgiveness toward you. The fourth thing here, and how are we going? 
The fourth thing is ask the forgiving God for grace to forgive. Ask the forgiving God for grace to forgive. So we need grace to forgive. We need to experience his grace. We need to taste his grace. We need to know his grace inside of us so that we can forgive. So in Matthew 18, 21 through 35, you may know the story here. And, oh, I see a mistake. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll fix that. So in Matthew 18, 21 through 35, Jesus tells a story about a man who doesn't forgive even though he received forgiveness. His debt was cleared, yet he's still chasing someone else for a much smaller debt, though he had a huge debt. It was all cleared, and then after it was cleared, the man is running after another man who owes him just a little amount of money, and he's about to kill him for that little amount of money. And so the master gets really upset about what he's done. Don't be like him. Pray for the grace you've received to flow through you. Everything God has done to you needs to flow through you. And since we all need forgiveness, we all need to forgive. This is why we, we forgive. We, be, we, we forgive based on the foundation of the love of God, of the grace of God. Hallelujah. Five, pray for those who hurt you. And this is what Jesus said, as we read before. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That you may be children of your father in heaven. So pray for them. So you forgive them, but then go one step further and pray for them. And like I said before, prayer for someone that has hurt you, their hurt toward you or their offense toward you is a trigger to realize, hey, they're not in a good relationship with God. Or it could be they've got a big blind spot in their life. God wants to remove that blind spot. God wants to change their life. So I'm going to go higher than what other people do. Other people say, oh, you know, I'll just, uh, I'll just have nothing to do with them. And I'm going to go higher and I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to intercede for them like Moses did. I'm going to intercede that God gets a hold of their life, that God touches them, that God transforms them, that God changes them, that they would realize that with what they're doing and that they would receive forgiveness, but also there would be a transformation in their own heart. So you start to pray for them. And uh, then it takes time. But you will often, when you pray, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, you will see how God works and how God changes them. Now, the sixth thing, we're almost finished here. The sixth thing is forgiving is not validating someone's sin. This is important to realize. Forgiving is not validating someone's sin. Jesus loved righteousness and hated wickedness. So it's not saying, oh, I don't hate the wickedness. I don't... I don't uh, I, I accept their offense. What they did was uh, not bad. No, forgiving is not validating someone's sin. You realize that they have sin, but you're going above it, and there's a principle of Scripture that you're putting into practice. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So when you forgive, you're not approving the sin, committed against you. Instead, you desire that the person encounters God's love and transformation like you. Do you, do you hear that? 
this is where you start to have the heart of an intercessor like Moses did. And of course, there, there'll be a battle in you. Of, I'm sure there was, a, there was a battle in Moses for what the people did. Moses was angry. Anger is not necessarily wrong. What is wrong is staying in anger. So when people do something wrong to you, there will be anger. There will be some sense of, this is not right. It's not right what they have done. Yet, it's the staying in that anger that ends up being, that it turns sour. It's like a, a fruit that turns sour and it gets corrupted and it's not good. So this is where now you have to forgive. You're not validating the sin, but you're praying for the person now to be delivered out of the sin. Again, let me say here, forgiveness is not, is not uh, you forgive somebody and think, okay, now I have to be best buddies with them. Because if that person is a wolf and they haven't come to repentance and haven't changed their nature, it would be good for a lamb to stay away from a wolf, right? Because a lamb is going to get ripped up by the wolf. So forgiveness does not mean that you don't have wisdom. You have wisdom. But you're praying. You may need to uh, have space with some people. But at the same time that you have space, you're praying Transform that wolf into a sheep <laughs> that listens to you, that knows the shepherd. Transform that person. And you may have to be careful, of course, have some space until that person is transformed. And then also you need to see the fruit. Bring forth fruit, the fruit of repentance. So if someone comes up to you and they say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. I had this happen the other week. Please forgive me. And I forgave them. Let's put it behind. But, Lord, but let there be change. <laughs> and, uh, and so you accept somebody if they ask for forgiveness. But also you're waiting to see. You don't have a bad heart toward them. You have a good heart toward them. But you're waiting to see, is there going to be fruit here? Is there going to be change here? And you're praying for them. And you may not... Uh, of course, if someone is, uh, say, for example, if someone's stealing money, uh, forgiving them doesn't mean, okay, I, I forgave you, and now you're char in charge of the money again. Because <laughs> they, if they haven't proved themselves, then it's not good. And so these are some areas. I bring these out because these are some areas that in compassion we go uh, into a compassion that's not God's compassion but our own compassion, a human compassion, which falls short of the glory of God. Okay, we need to come to an end. So it's here's seven, and this is the big thing at the end. Let God handle the justice. Let God handle the justice. And this is what you're doing when you forgive. You're letting God handle the justice. Forgiveness is letting God bring justice because he alone is the righteous judge. You're saying, I don't have it off. I can't bring the justice myself I can pray but only God you're the great judge I'm not the judge you're the judge and you're the one that can bring forgiveness so let's look at Romans 12 19 through 21 I believe this is the last scripture here Romans 12 19 through 21 I'll start in verse 17 do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. 
If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. <laughs> so did you see that? It's letting God handle the justice. I'll read it again. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Well, what does that mean? One of the things I believe it means is it's going to bring conviction in his life. <laughs> so they will experience God's conviction as you're kind to them. In verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So here it's very clearly laid out for us. Our last slide here. The chief shepherd restores us to forgive as the heavenly father forgives. This forgiveness hurts at first. It's like Christ's cross. When he said, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. But then it releases an overflow of God's love that surpasses understanding. That's what forgiveness does. That's the purpose of it in the kingdom is to embrace the sufferings of Christ, but also release his resurrection life and love that surpasses understanding. And you'll see many people are transformed. All people are transformed through forgiveness, through grace, through mercy. It's a higher law. It's a higher law like Jesus with the adulterous woman. Well, she deserved by the law to be stoned, and they were about to stone her, but Jesus said, you who is without sin cast the first stone. And no one was without sin. God showed grace, a higher law, grace, God's love. But he also said at the end, go and sin no more. <laughs> so there was a call to the teleos, to be like the Father in our, in our character, in our nature. I'm about to pray, but one of the things that's really difficult when someone sins against you is usually they do not even have eyes to see what they have done. They don't even know it. And it's, it's like someone's driving a car and they hit you and you're on the floor and, and you're like just barely holding on for life. They hit you and they run over you and they think they just had a bump in the road and they keep on driving. They don't even stop. They don't even come out and help you. They just run over you and they don't even realize what they're doing. And this is... The, I, I, this is probably the most difficult thing about people's sin is when they sin against you, they hit you, they hurt you, and they don't even realize what they have done. Most people don't even stop and say, oh, can I help you? I'm sorry. And so here it is, they're crucifying Jesus. They don't even know what they're doing. They don't even realize they're, cru they're, they don't even realize they're, they don't realize they're crucifying God. They don't realize what they're doing. 
and they think they're doing something good. And that is also the deceptive nature of sin. People do something to you and they think they're doing the right thing or they're totally blind to what they're doing. And they, it, it, it may be 10 years later, they come up to you and say, oh, I'm sorry for that. <laughs> and that is the difficult thing about sin is because people don't realize what they're doing. What's that? Yeah, and we do it to others. We do it to others, and uh, we don't realize it. So this is why forgiveness is so important and has to come from the heart, and this is why we struggle with it. We would, it's easier to forgive, quote-unquote, if someone actually says, oh, they acknowledge what they've done, but most of the time they don't even see it. <laughs> it's the blind spots. So, Father, here we are in your presence, and we're with you, the chief shepherd, and you want to restore us to forgive like our Heavenly Father forgives. And Heavenly Father, you see it all, and yet you sent your Son, and you came, you came in your Son to die on the cross. God was in, in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Father, the forgiveness that you have, the grace that you have, we're asking that you would give it to us this morning. We need it. We are helpless without you. I pray that you would release this morning your grace, your forgiveness, your, your mercy that would help us to let go and forgive and that our uh, church would be a forgiving church and that offenses would not stumble people, but we would uh, overcome those offenses. Bring deep healing, Father, this morning to whoever's listening to this. Bring deep healing. Let the love of God come in and bring deep healing. Thank you, Father. I'm, I'm thanking you that you're going to work. And before, before we end, I'd like, Anna, if you could play lightly on the guitar, and I, I just want us to spend some time uh, practicing forgiveness and just letting God uh, work this in our hearts. So we'll... Uh... We'll come over here. <laughs> hey, Kat. Hey, Daniel and Diane. And we just want to have this quiet time to, to let the word kind of sink in and just practice forgiveness. And usually what happens is uh, the Holy Spirit points. <laughs> he points out to you people that you need to forgive. And let's, let's do that and let it go. Let it go and let God... Handle the justice. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted. You were condemned. And I'm alive and well. Your spirit is within me because you died and rose again. I'm forgiven. Because you were forsaken, I'm accepted. 
It's my joy to honor you, amazing love. Jesus, you are my King. Jesus, you are my King. Lord, now I lay it down. You are my King. Jesus, you It's my joy to honor you. 